Let's pray. O Lord, we wait for you, and in your word we trust. By the power of your Holy Spirit, set our hearts and minds on the source of life and peace. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. In today's reading, John tells of a dinner at a particular place with a particular group at a particular time. Not once, but twice, John tells us that these events happen just before Passover. You remember that Passover is a religious festival commemorating God's deliverance of the Jews from slavery in Egypt. Perhaps you have heard that Jesus' adult ministry lasted three years. Well, our Sunday school teacher <coughs> mentioned that just this morning. Well, that three-year estimate is based on the fact that John's gospel refers to three Passovers during Jesus' ministry. So that was the particular time. The particular place was Bethany. Bethany is a village on the lower eastern slope of the Mount of Olives, about two miles east of Jerusalem. And according to the 24th chapter of Luke, Bethany is where Jesus ascended into heaven. So the time was Passover, the place was Bethany. Who, who was it was with Jesus? Two sisters and their brother are named. Mary and Martha are the sisters. You remember them from another story. In the 10th chapter of Luke, we read about how Jesus was visiting Mary and Martha, and Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what Jesus was saying. Martha got mad at her sister for leaving all the work for her to do. So, uh, so she told Jesus to fuss at her lazy sister and tell her to help her. But Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There's need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. And the brother, well, of course, that was Lazarus, the man who had died but was called back to life by Jesus. In that situation, Martha had affirmed her belief in Jesus, saying, Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. And it was Mary in that story who was the complainer, telling Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Well, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were the three people. They're three people important to Jesus. And in this story, but in the story we read today, not, not a one of them says a word. So now, let us listen for God's word for us in this description of what happened just before pa Passover in Bethany at the home of Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. We'll start with the 55th verse of the 11th chapter of John. Now the Passover of the Jews was near. Many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and asking one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think? Surely, surely he will not come to the festival, will he? Now the chief priest and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who knew where Jesus was should let them know so that they might arrest him. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. 
Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse, and he used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may our thoughts and may my words be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever have you ever designed your own perfume? When our family visited the North Carolina Botanical Gardens in Asheville last year, there was a fascinating exhibit about plants and perfumes. They also said something about passion, but anyway, the one of the interactive displays had you choose between several base scents and then a couple of accents. And then the device would concoct a sample of the fragrance, put it on a little card, and you'd sniff it. And then it would tell you which of all the commercial fragrances, which one was closest to your personal perfume. It was educational. I found that Betty's was Chanel number no. five. <laughs> Sarah was a little startled to find out that the fragrance that she had designed was closest to my sin. <laughs> well, I looked on Amazon and elsewhere, and it looks like my sin isn't made anymore. Well, it might be not made now, but you can still buy some. Amazon will sell you a four-ounce bottle for four or five hundred dollars, plus shipping. <laughs> You can you can buy Chanel number no. five in bulk for about hundred dollars an ounce. Now John tells us that Mary anointed Jesus' feet with a pound of perfume. By the way, Nard was a rare perfume from the Himalayas. Now our pound is sixteen ounces, but a Roman pound was closer to twelve ounces. Now I figure that's where they got the idea making 12 ounces a bag, a brick of coffee, and calling this a pound. <laughs> but, so if you were to buy 12 ounces of my sin, that'd be 12 or $1,500. And then if you went with Betty Chanel number five, it'd cost you about, uh, about $1,200. So, you know, you think about it, maybe that thief, maybe Judas had a point, 12 to $1,500, that'd be a good gift good size gift for the food bank or the rescue mission or some other group that helps people who are poor, people who are in real need. But wait, John tells us that this perfume was worth an average worker's annual salary. 
Now, just for example, if you work for $15 an hour in a 40-hour week for 50 weeks, that's about $30,000 a year. And you just know if somebody, if somebody were to blow 30 grand on some extravagant one-time event here at Berea, I don't know, that'd be a whole lot of, that'd be a whole lot of Esau, wouldn't it, George? <laughs> we have some controversy. At least a session meeting, if not a <laughs> congregational meeting. So Judas really did have a, a point. The money raised by selling that costly perfume, it could have helped the poor, but John tells us that's not what his motive was. He wanted... He didn't want to help the poor. He wanted to help himself. Well, Mary is saved from Judas' cynical criticism by Jesus, who says, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. As one commentator has written, Mary's, Mary's actions cannot be easily classified in theological categories. Like all good stories, this story calls us to wonder anew, to embrace the questions and to remain unsettled about them for a time. But wait, that's not all Jesus said. He also said, you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Now that's a saying that has troubled many people over the years. To some, it sounds like Jesus is saying something really out of character, something callous, something even selfish, something like, Oh, the poor, hey, you always, they're always a problem. Right now, pay attention to me and my needs. But that's not what he was saying. You may recall the question the sermon title asked, oh, about four weeks ago or so, when we talked about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, and the question was, can you quote Deuteronomy? I ask you that because... Each time that Satan tempted Jesus, Jesus responded with a quote from Deuteronomy. Well, it turns out when Jesus said, you always had the poor with you, he was virtually quoting Deuteronomy, first, uh, the 11th verse of the 15th chapter that said, there will never cease to be some in need on the earth. But that's just half the verse. The whole verse, since there will never cease to be some in need on the earth, I therefore command you, open your hand to the poor and needy neighbor in your land. And that's not all. The verse before said, give liberally and be ungrudging when you do so. For on this account, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and, that, and in all that you undertake. Now, do you... You recall what happened when Mary wiped the perfumed feet of Jesus with her hair? It says the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now usually, when we think of feet, feet foot aroma filling a house, it's not a pleasant, happy <laughs> event. Usually the people around the aromatic feet make disgusted faces, hold on their noses, and demand the offender... Take those stinky feet outside. <laughs> Go wash. When he was in about, oh, fourth grade, our son Paul III came home from a field trip to Pine Knoll Shores where he had, at the Trinity Center, he had basically spent a good part of the day wading around in the coastal marshes. They were crabbing and doing all kind of 
nature study. Well, after a day in mushy marshland, his, his shoes smell so fishy bad, they never came in our house again. We hung them up on the swing we had outside thinking, you know, the sun and air will help. No, it drove away that little animal. <laughs> we had to throw those shoes away. Well, thankfully, somebody had told me that if you get something bad smelling on your, on your skin, use, put a little toothpaste on and that'll wash off. It's, it's just abrasive enough to wash off the whatever's sticking to you and it smells a little better and, and that will help. And so we were able to let him come in the house after all. <laughs> well, that day at the home of Lazarus, the aroma was wonderful. When Mary washed the feet of Jesus with this extravagantly expensive perfume. Well, by what we do, by what we say, by who we are, you and I, we essentially present a fragrance to the world. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphant procession and through us spreads in every place the fragrance that comes from knowing him. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So fellow disciples of Jesus Christ in how you and I live, by what we do and by what we say, you and I, if we are the, if you and I, if we're the fragrance the aroma of Christ. What is it the other folks around us smell? Stinky feet or fabulous, fabulous perfume? Thanks be to God. Brothers and sisters, we are disciples of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us not shun the way of the cross, but follow wherever the Lord may lead. And now may the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit surround you and uphold us all on the way. In Christ's name, amen.